This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. How's it going? Well, guess what? Um, you have coronavirus and we're all dying. Uh, I do not have coronavirus. I did have the flu resurgence. That was fun. Yeah, like you weren't um, big on March. this one. It's March, which is the most important month. It is. You know why? Because it's our birthdays. It's our birthday month. Yay. Because mine is tomorrow. Yeah, your birthday is tomorrow. My birthday is St. Patrick's Day. So everyone will go, everybody go out and get hammered on my birthday. Like you probably do already every single year. And this will drop the day after my birthday. So just, or two days after my birthday, I mean. So just heads up, I hope you celebrated Texas and how important it is on my birthday. Um, and if you didn't, then you can celebrate today and we just won't tell anyone that you missed it. That's okay. Yes, it is okay. Um, yep. So tell me something good. I didn't die this week. Congratulations. I really thought I was going to. I did too. <laughs> you can ask your wife what it's like when they run a, uh, a, a septic sepsis call on somebody in the ER. I've now experienced that from the patient standpoint. It was not exciting at all. Not not something <laughs> you're going to repeat anytime soon? No. It was quite terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, you got a sepsis call this week and somebody was shot and murdered outside of my rehearsal yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and, Is that your lifetime movie of the week? <laughs> right? Except it's told from my perspective, just sitting on a stage while the murder's happening outside. As a guy, like, hoping to get paid after his show. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday was a spicy disaster, but, um, and then there were... There were people in the orchestra that didn't know me. And so, like, I was real antsy. And he, one of the guys was like, what's going on? And I was like, so there was a murder outside. And he was like, oh, shit. And I was like, and I want to go stand by the police line. And then he looked <laughs> at me like I'd said, and I want to go put my finger in a bullet hole. Like, like I don't know why I got that response. And I was like, sorry, I have a crime podcast. It's hard to turn that off. I just want to know if they had let you put your finger in a bullet hole, would you have done it? Oh, I'd probably have fainted, but I absolutely would have. I would have too. <laughs> and I wouldn't have fainted. I wanted to go to the med school. That's what I wanted to be doing with my life. So uh, I wanted to be running sepsis calls on other people, not having them run on myself. <laughs> med school sucks. You didn't miss anything. What I recommend is do like I did and marry you a doctor. Yeah. Nah, I'm good. I know. No marriage for me. Thanks, though. Well, that's also okay. Yeah, so I survived this week. I didn't eat for like five whole days, and so this weekend I've made up for it by eating everything I've come across. Um, Every single thing. Well, lucky for you, I also have eaten everything I've come across for a week, so I made up for it for you also. You're welcome. Thank I'm just you. so giving. You're such a team player. I am. <laughs> You know, we're basically one person at this point. It's true. I mean, the past week has been crazy for both of us. I want to take spring break with you, though. Right? 
I, that. I just had to get through five days. Now, the state is coming to watch me teach one of these days this week, which is the worst. I'm about to be off on spring break. We all know that the, the goal of this week is to get the kids fed and then sent home safely. Like, everything else is just up in the air. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not going to behave either. My kids will. They can smell your fear. <laughs> My kids will because they're scared of me. Well, that's good. Right. It's a healthy that's fear. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what else is good? What? Nobody dies in this movie. You know, that is a good thing. Um, and before you tell us much more, welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I'm exhausted. I've been asked 400 times whether I have coronavirus. <laughs> This is the most lackluster introduction we've ever given. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's been a long week, y'all. Well, tell me yeah. everything about this movie. Okay, so this week I watched I Am Elizabeth Smart. Um, it. I don't know when it originally aired because I didn't write that down. Sorry about that. Um, it stars Elizabeth Smart as herself slash the narrator. Does it really? Yeah. Okay. And then Alana Bowden, she plays Elizabeth Smart in the movie part. Okay. Um, she's from Mr. Selfridge, Ride, and Humans. The three things I've never heard of. Never heard of them. Skeet Ulrich plays Brian David Mitchell slash Emmanuel slash asshole. I think you're just making up names now. Um, he's from Scream and The Craft. Okay. I did watch both he's of like those. old school 90s actor. November 18th, 2017. Thank you. You're welcome. And then finally we have Deidre Lovejoy. She plays Wanda Barzi. And she's from The Wire, The Blacklist. And she played Nora's mom in Step Up. Okay. That's the only thing I've seen. The movie is introduced by Elizabeth Smart herself and the startling statistic that less than 2% of long-term child abductions are resolved by finding the child alive. Oh, God. And I feel like that's one of those things that you know in the back of your head, but when but, somebody says it out loud, you're like, oh! Uh-huh. <laughs> that's when we start rallying and make signs. Mm-hmm. Like, even though we all knew it, it wasn't a secret. Yeah. Elizabeth voiceovers while we see her um, rescue portrayed. She says, quote, you may think you know my story, but the truth is you don't. Not from me. And we flash back to June 5th, 2002, the night of the kidnapping. Her abductor wakes her up in her bed and has a knife at her neck and threatening. He's threatening to kill her and her entire family if she doesn't go with him. I'm already not enjoying this. Can I fast forward? No. He takes her out of the house and into the woods behind her home. They're ducked down behind some brush and a police car passes. And I'm like, oh my god, I can't even imagine. Um, She cries and begs him to let her go, but he just keeps threatening to kill her and everyone she knows. He, like, does this a lot. It's super annoying. Um, They come upon a camp where this asshole's wife is. Wifey comes out of the tent, she hugs Elizabeth, and then she pulls her into the tent and starts washing her feet and telling her to take off her clothes because she must be cleansed for the celestial marriage. 
Um, I'm not enjoying this, and that doesn't sound like a thing also. No. I was like, oh, I'd like to pass on the celestial marriage. Thank you very much. Have a nice evening. <laughs> I forgot I already had one of those. Yeah. Um, wifey dresses Elizabeth in a white robe and then tells her to take off her underwear. Elizabeth refuses, and Wifey gets up in her face, all crazy eyes, and tells her to take them off or she'll have Emmanuel, which I just can't with fucking Emmanuel. Just, ugh. Um, come in and rip them off of her. Ugh. Then he comes in anyways and starts talking about how they're sealed and she's his wife now. She screams and he rapes her while Wifey sits outside of the tent praying. Um, so... I know not all of our listeners are very religious. That's not how prayer works. No. Mm-mm. No, not at all. Um, like, I just don't want anyone to be misled to think that that's what I'm doing whenever I talk about going to church. It's That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we cut back to real Elizabeth. So this is really interesting. They're showing, like, a fairly brutal rape scene. And... Sh- she cuts in and, and like it's the real Elizabeth Martin. She says, "Do you want it to stop?" So did I. Oh, oh no! I'm so sorry that you had to watch this. That's already too much for me. Yeah, I was like, "Whoa!" She says she tried everything to protect herself, and back in the movie, the day after the kidnapping, she wakes up in the tent and finds that she's cable tied, like to like a whole. So they're in like this clearing of trees and there's cable ties wrapped around like the whole perimeter of the camp. And she's like, she's like on a leash, like on like a when loop. you put a dog on a run. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Um, she tries to pick the lock on her ankle with a safety pin she had on her pajamas, but she's not successful. She repins the safety pin to the inside of her robe and goes outside where Emmanuel and wifey are having some kind of creepy prayer circle. He sits up from prayer and he and wifey laugh at the sky. These people are completely unhinged the whole time. That's unsettling. Like straight up cray cray. Um, this is where Elizabeth recognizes her abductor as someone that her mother gave money to once and her father had helped him with some work around the house. Emmanuel says he was commanded. Oh, God. He says he was commanded by the Lord to go to the wilderness and prepare for the second coming to pluck the helpless virgins from this evil world and take them as his wives. He really has no choice but to obey. Um, again, that's not how any of this works. And his wife, he's like, yeah, that totally happened. I was there. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) This is fucking awful already. I know. She tells Elizabeth that she's very lucky to be the first wife. And then she's like, after me, of course. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) So which makes you the second wife, which makes you the first to lose. Except in this case, nobody's winning. Yeah. Um, Emmanuel keeps going on and on about his new wife. And Elizabeth just screams, we're not married. Um, he begs to differ, though, and says that now that they've consummated their relationship, no man will ever want her again anyways. Oh, my God. And then That's I turned cool. off the movie and turned on Golden Girls. Perfect. And now this is the episode where Blanche finally <laughs> tells Rose off. Thank you for being <laughs> a friend. 
<laughs> um, later, he wants her to take off. Ew. Oh. Mm. Later, he wants her to take off her robe and watch him have sex with wifey and then show them what she learns from them. Uh, no. <laughs> so, real Elizabeth chimes in right here, like, flashes back to her face, and she goes, who wants to watch that? It's like, no one, sis, no one. <laughs> I'm kind of liking real Elizabeth here, though. Yeah, real Elizabeth is a little bit of a, a pistol, and I like her. Um, Have you ever watched her TED back- Talk? No. I think it's a TED Talk. I watched her give... Oh, you know what? I have seen her TED Talk. Yeah, it's I have. It's so good. She is okay. She is phenomenal. Continue. I'm sorry. She's a badass. Wow. Um, back in the movie, Elizabeth is naked sitting on a stool while Emmanuel preaches about her learning to obey her husband. And I can't even... I don't have enough middle fingers. I don't have enough. You know, this has like real heavy worn Jeff undertones. Very. Mm-hmm. He changes her name to something stupid, and I'm not going to use it because it's not her name. She doesn't like the name he gives her, so he tells her she can pick a middle name from the Old Testament because he's not a regular kidnapper. He's a cool kidnapper. (laughs) Um, Get in, loser. We're going kidnapping virgins. Yeah, she picks Esther, and Emmanuel waxes on about how Esther was also a second wife, and hopefully it will help her remember her place. Real Elizabeth pops up to tell us that she chose Esther because Esther won in the end of her story uh-huh. and not by using the standard tools available to her. Yes. Like um, Esther was also a badass. Yes, she was. So we go back to the movie and Elizabeth starts helping her captors because quote, when people like you, it's harder to kill you. She's got a point. But wifey is like immediately jealous of Elizabeth she reluctantly lets her help, but then she launches into a story about when the to- the Lord told her and what's his butt to sell their RV and live with the homeless and how much it sucked. Um, well. Why are you still on this trip then, girl? <laughs> Elizabeth voiceovers about how wifey once took her daughter's pet rabbit and fed it to her. Oh, oh I mean, I've eaten rabbit, but like... I was like, what the fuck? That's not someone else's choice to make for you. So they make little burrito wraps for dinner, and they're praying over the food when Elizabeth hears her name being called by a search party. Homeboy grabs her by the neck and says if she yells, he'll kill her and them and everyone, blah, blah. Like, he's so, like, I'm going to kill everyone on Earth. Like, shut up. Um... Day four, Emmanuel is still going on about the evil LDS church. I don't even think he's talking to anyone. He's just talking. He's practicing his soliloquizing. Yeah. A helicopter flies over and Elizabeth starts jumping up and down screaming, but he tackles her and throws her into the tent. A real Elizabeth voiceover is that she knew her family would not stop looking for her, but after a week went by and nobody came for her, she knew how good Emmanuel was at hiding. Um... Wifey comes through camp and makes Elizabeth sweep outside in the woods. <laughs> um, this Because cleanliness is next to godliness. And I was like, oh, I bet she's the one that was advising Trump on how to avoid forest fires. Right. Remember when he was like, you have to sweep the forest? Yes. Mm. Smokey Bear so just gave that... him two middle fingers at that. Yeah. 
So the days are ticking by and we get snippets of conversation from Tweedle Crazy and Tweedle Crazier. And I don't really know which one's which. Um, like, quote, you had to push your mother down those stairs. Man, if I had a dollar for and, every time I had to tell myself that. And, quote, I hit a cat and smeared it all over the highway. And, oh, oh. quote, it's the Lord. The Lord is testing me with all this dirt. Um, Which is the most relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Elizabeth voiceovers that she thought she would go crazy. And I can't even imagine because I'm going crazy just watching this. She says something about her family in the movie. And Emmanuel goes off the rails screaming at her that they're not her family anymore. He's her family now. Mm, Yeah, that's not how that works, homie. (sighs) So finally, Elizabeth starts to go on with what he's saying. Real Elizabeth says she never had Stockholm Syndrome. She was just doing what she needed to do to survive. And just because she stopped physically resisting him doesn't mean that she hated what he was doing to her any less. Which I think is an important distinction for her to make because I know the white male argument. Yeah. Um, One day after what I'm assuming is not a very romantic encounter, seeing as Elizabeth is crouched in a tent crying... Um, Emmanuel comes out of the tent and tells wifey that Elizabeth has accepted God's will. But wifey is pissed off because Emmanuel doesn't want to fuck her anymore. He only wants to fuck Elizabeth. Um, lady, I mean, I hate this for Elizabeth, but it sounds like you're winning right now. Like Mm, you're getting the better end of this deal today. She screams at him and kneels in front of him. In all his infinite godly wisdom, he decides that what they need is equitable division. So, wifey will be his wife during the day, and Elizabeth will be his wife at night. Oh, like a werewife situation. (laughs) And for some reason, I don't know that this is going to have the effect that he's wanting it to have. I mean, I don't see how this could possibly go wrong at all. Also in his divine wisdom, though, he finally unlocks Elizabeth from the cable tire, ties, cable tire, and they all go climbing down a canyon to get water. And I'm like, who put this dumbass in charge that they're like having to hike down an actual canyon to get water? Day 21, Elizabeth and wifey are sewing while wifey continues with her a not at all short history on Emmanuel and wifey, the unabridged edition. Um... Real Elizabeth voiceover is that these two never shut their mouths, but she listened because she knew eventually she would hear something that she could use against them. So Emmanuel comes back all hyped up on Jesus or theft or whatever and starts yelling about how he saw Elizabeth's face everywhere on his trip into town. And all he could think of is how back in the woods he had the real McCoy. Uh, then he bragger. busts out a bottle of wine. Yeah. <laughs> Then he busts out a bottle of wine he stole so they could take the sacrament. Elizabeth refuses to drink it. She says she, he, so he tells her that, and she's like, you can't make me drink this. I promised myself I'd never drink alcohol. And he's like, well, I can make you do anything I want. So he tells her she cannot eat, sleep, or drink water until she drinks the wine. So she drinks it. See, Um, my obstinate ass, like that would be the way I go. Mm-hmm. Just real Elizabeth says she never understood why people would want to get drunk, but after two cups of wine, she went completely numb, and then she understood. I was like, "Oh, honey." 
Day 24, Elizabeth is sleeping. She wakes up and finds a cup of water next to her. Her voiceover says that she knows there was no water in the camp at that point, and even if nobody else believes her, it was a miracle. Um, it's the 4th of July, and Emmanuel brings them what I think is a chicken. Have you never had a 4th of July chicken? No. Everyone has had a 4th of July chicken. And then he says since he's such a good provider, he's going to take them to see the fireworks, and then they'll make a fire and have chicken. They go watch the fireworks, and real Elizabeth says that they reminded her of her family. Back at camp, she's reading, and Emmanuel gets down in her face, and so she's talking about her family again. Elizabeth says she didn't know that she was doing that. Um, she tells him about her cousin, Olivia, and how she was Elizabeth's best friend, you know, before Emmanuel saved her and became her best friend. Yeah, okay, we're best friends. I get it. Um... So later, Emmanuel has another divine proclamation that he needs to go pluck Olivia from the world, bring her to their camp, and marry her. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because I do remember the part of the Bible, I think it's probably in no Nowhere, that says, And then thou shalt marry thine wife's cousin, and thou shalt be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> King James. I only read King James. Yeah, so he says he's going to go get her. So he leaves, and Elizabeth just prays the whole time that Olivia will be safe. Emmanuel, thankfully, comes back empty-handed and says that the Lord blocked his way because when he was trying to break into the house, he knocked something over and made a bunch of noise. Um, in case I forget... It's day seven... In case I forget, when he did this in real life, he went to the wrong room anyway fucking idiot <laughs> right um so it's day 76 now that's too many days and wifey oh it's gonna get so many more days um are they're sewing again and they're going through the not a very short history of emmanuel and wifey the unabridged edition um Wifey gets a little crazy and starts swinging around a wine bottle while she's talking like she's going to hit Elizabeth with it. But Emmanuel comes back with a bottle of booze talking about his glorious day in Babylon. So Wifey redirects her anger. So did he climb a tall tower and then everyone spoke a new language? Oh, that's Babel. Sorry. Okay, continue. Yeah. They get into a fight and Wifey's like, I'm going to Babylon. Bye. And she stomps off into the woods. So Emmanuel decides that it's a good time for he and Elizabeth to have sex out in the open. But Elizabeth is like, no, no, it's the daytime and <laughs> she's your day wife. <laughs> for real. For I was real. I was about to say that. That's what I'm laughing. Like, Elizabeth and I might be the same person. Yeah. She's like, mm, it's the daytime and, you know, she's your day wife and uh, uh, I don't want to step on any toes and I for sure have to tell her because, you know sister wives am i right and um, so he's like fine whatever um wifey comes back and she and emmanuel have a little standoff wifey says she's done sitting up there while he goes out to parties so the women dress in what are basically burkas and go to town real elizabeth says if she had cried out or tried to get away they would have killed her he, um Emmanuel, to illustrate this, Emmanuel then leans down to 
Elizabeth and says that he'll kill her whole family. And then they go to a grocery store and drink the liquor directly off the shelves. So he only has like one you threat. Yeah, he's got one threat and he uses it a lot. They make quite a scene in the store, so I'm unsure how they're getting away with all this shoplifting. Um, the cashier literally sees them stealing and is like, hey, there's a party later if y'all want to come. And I was like, what the fuck? Listen, I worked at Walmart. They don't pay you enough to care. So they go to this party and Emmanuel starts hitting on the women there. So wifey's like, we are leaving. And they leave. Um, Emmanuel suddenly seems to remember he's supposed to be godly or whatever. So as they're leaving, he's like, heathens. (laughs) (laughs) The next time they go to town, Emmanuel takes him to the library. It's day 92 and he's there to do research on a warmer place for them to go during the winter. Um, you know, where Real is perfectly Elizabeth. warm? Salt Lake City, Utah. That is just very warm. You should just stay mm-hmm. right there. Um, Real Elizabeth voiceovers that she was screaming inside but couldn't speak. So they're doing research and a police officer approaches them and asks to see the women's faces. Emmanuel refuses on the basis of his faith and throws out 9-11 as a reason he can't show Elizabeth's face so he can fuck all the way off. I'm impressed with how many people he's in, like he's able to offend at one time, but like that's some Trump level bullshit there. Yeah, but then the officer's like, "No, I really need to see her face. I need to see her face." And then he's like, "Well, all right," and he just leaves. And I'm like, "What is happening? Are they in Wisconsin?" <laughs> so. <clears throat> Day 97, they're on a bus going west to the San Diego foothills. Day 102, wife and Elizabeth are picking picking cactus. Um, Wifey is very disgruntled at this point. They come back to camp and Emmanuel is drunk, which he seems to be quite a bit. Um, He starts talking about a free Thanksgiving dinner in town. Then we fast forward to Christmas. Someone on the street gives Elizabeth a radio, which real Elizabeth says renewed her hope. Day 153, a hiker comes upon their tent. Emmanuel readies his knife to just, like, straight up murder this dude. But fortunately, before he gets too close, he leaves. Emmanuel just For starts reason, running, yelling, I'll kill your family! Yeah. <laughs> uh, Emmanuel calls this a f- their whole, like, trip a failing and says they have to move again. Um, they move to the San Diego mountains... On day 184, wifey goes on another tirade, but this time she has a knife. She threatens to kill herself, but Emmanuel talks her off the ledge, kind of. He's like, bah. Things have really, uh, things have like really gone off the rails here. (laughs) Wow. Um, She goes off into the woods, and when she comes back, she says, God told her she's getting into heaven and doesn't have to listen to Emmanuel anymore. He takes off saying he's going to town. I want to know so he leaves what them. these people are doing that God talks directly to them. Because, like, like, I have to do that, too. I want some, like, prophetic bullshit. <laughs> um, day 186. So Elizabeth and wifey are there by themselves. Emmanuel's off fucking around. Um, day 186. They run out of food and water. And they're still alone. 
day 190, Elizabeth is sucking the water out of a cactus, like, leaf thing. Poor thing. Um, Elizabeth voiceover says that she feels like she's dying, and she says she wanted to see her family one last time, but she was grateful to have had them at all. So she and wifey, like, go to sleep thinking they're going to die, and it rains. Um... And real Elizabeth says that no one can discount this miracle because it was raining in California. Right. <laughs> um, Emmanuel comes back a few days later and tells them he's been in jail. He's super sorry. He had to go preach to the inmates. Totally not his fault. He was just serving God or whatever. <laughs> I hate when I they, get arrested and it's really because God wants me to preach what he forgot to tell me beforehand. God, like, just give me a heads up, God. I'll wear better shoes. Oh, God, get your shit together. <laughs> day one seven, or day 270, I'm sorry. Emmanuel is drunk and says he has an announcement. The Lord has declared it's time for them to leave California and go back to the East Coast permanently. Elizabeth, like, stands up and she's like, I'm, like, super overwhelmed with the feeling that we need to go back to Salt Lake City because Jesus said so, and he can get more wives, and you can get more wives and stuff there. Please take my ass home. Yeah, like, <laughs> like they have tons of wives there, just the wives everywhere. Wives here, wives there. There's a wives are us. Let's just, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Her voiceover says that she had been listening to them talk all this time, and she knew how to twist their, like, their, like, uh, religious rhetoric um, into what they wanted to hear at this point. He says it'll take She's more time so to get the money together. Smart. Yeah. He says it'll take more time to get the money together. But Elizabeth is like, no, no, no. We should totally just hitchhike so I can get that experience. Like, you had the experience and wifey had the experience. And now I want the experience. Hitchhiking, we should totally do it. Right. As where wifey you know, I should like, also get to. Yeah. If your, like, final resort is like, let's hitchhike, <laughs> shit's dark. <laughs> um. For some reason, like, wifey hops on this train immediately. So Amang is like, cool. It's totally God's will. I'm on board. So they go get some normal clothes and start hitchhiking. And look, I don't know what the actual wig Elizabeth Smart had wore looked it like. Was but awful. if it's anything like this, it's no wonder they are caught. It looks like it was stolen directly off the Golden Girls set. <laughs> it was um, Estelle Gettys. Yeah. <laughs> Day 280, they arrive in Sandy, Utah. Real Elizabeth says that night, Brian Mitchell, right, Brian Mitchell David? Is that his name? Mitchell's his last name. Brian David Mitchell. Brian David Mitchell, sorry. Raped her again like he had every single night of her ca captivity, except this time it was the last time. So they're in a store stealing things. Seriously, this guy has zero shoplifting chill. Just none at all. He's just shoving shit in his bag, like, okay. Um, well, yeah, God meant for him to have it. You don't have to hide when God picks you. So Elizabeth, like, takes her bag, and she's, like, standing in the little lobby part of the store, and there's a wall of missing people. So she studies the wall, and she's not on it anymore. Mm. And Emmanuel, like, comes up behind her, and he's like, see, no one remembers you or cares about you anymore. What an asshole. Yeah, as soon as they exit the store, two police cars pull up and say they need to speak with them. The officers start asking Elizabeth what her name is, 
Emmanuel pipes up and says her name is Esther, but the cop, cop is like, I'm literally not talking to you, dude. Like, not at all. Um, other officers... Was it a woman escort, cop? Because that um, doesn't sound like a man cop's response, if I'm being honest. No, it was a man cop. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, other officers come up and escort Emmanuel and wifey away, and the other set of officers pull Elizabeth, like, even further away from them and tell her that it's okay and finally, the officer asks if her name is Elizabeth Smart. She turns back and looks at her abductors and then turns around and looks at the police officer and says, I am Elizabeth Smart. So they handcuff her. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and take her to the station. At the station, they take the handcuffs off of her and take her into a room. Um, her dad walks in and they hug she goes to the hospital where they ask her to disrobe and she's having like a little bit like she's freaking out a lot about it, you know. Well, yeah. Because, you know, trauma. <laughs> and but her mom like comes in at that point and she's like she holds her hand while they do their examination. Um, she rides home with her parents. People are outside their house with signs welcoming her home. She goes inside where all of her siblings are waiting for her. There's a big group family hug. I'm not crying. You're crying. Um, That night, Elizabeth is in her pajamas. Her mom comes in and says, if she wants, they can all sleep in their parents' room, like a big slumber party. But Elizabeth says, no, she wants to sleep in her own bed. She promises her mom that she'll be there in the morning. Real Elizabeth um, voiceovers at this point says, why did I tell you this story? I wanted to tell you as someone who's been through hell and there is still hope. I'm not cracked. I'm not shattered. I am Elizabeth Smart. Oh. Brian David Mitchell was sentenced to two life terms in federal prison. Wanda Barzi was sentenced to 15 years. Elizabeth Smart, now married and a mother of two young children, is a tireless advocate for the prevention of predatory crimes. The end. That was so good. I know. And what like, a badass. You'd be really proud of me. I've gotten better at my speed painting and I did this much. Yay! I'm so proud. So, very good. Okay. I am giving you a heads up. I have not written this many notes since Calendar Girl Cop Killer. I I kept it short because I I knew there'd be there's so much to tell in the story, just so much. So uh-huh. that's why I kept it short. So especially since Elizabeth was telling her own stories, I'm assuming it's pretty close. Uh huh. To what happened. Um, so at the top I had several sources. I forgot to write them down. Um, I found some comprehensive. Again. I know. I found some comprehensive timelines on Elizabeth Smart. I used the Wikipedia page. Um, I used like some local news. Like from local to her. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, I'm really appreciative that those sources are out there. Yay. So Elizabeth Ann Smart was born November 3rd, 1987 in Salt Lake City, Utah. She was raised in a family that was part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She had four mm-hmm. brothers and one sister. and Or she currently does still, since so she's not dead and no one's dead. Um, and she is the second oldest child in her family. In the early hours of June 5th, 2002... Uh, a man broke into the home of Edward and Lois Smart in the Federal Heights neighborhood of Salt Lake City, where they lived with their six children. 
He abducted 14-year-old Elizabeth from the bedroom she shared with her 9-year-old sister, Mary Catherine, who was awakened but pretended to be asleep and later reported the following um, facts. Mm -hmm. She said that a white man about the height of her brother, Charles, who was five foot eight, um, mm-hmm. and who was about 30 to 40 years old, wearing light-colored clothes and a golf hat. Um, in, in actuality, he was wearing all black, and he did not have a, go- a golf hat, and he was 48. But, um, you know, some of that is the power of suggestion in interviewing children. Yeah. Um, she reported he had dark hair and also had dark hair on his arms and on the back of his hands. Mm-hmm. She said the man threatened Elizabeth with a knife, which Mary Catherine thought was a gun at the time. And later she realized it was a knife. Mm-hmm. When Elizabeth said, ouch, after stubbing her toe on a chair, Mitchell said something that sounded like, you better be quiet and I won't hurt you. She heard Elizabeth ask, why are you doing this? And though the answer was not clear, Mary Catherine thought the answer might have been for ransom. Okay. Mitchell was soft-spoken. He was actually polite and calm, and he was, like, cleanly and nicely dressed. Um, Good for him. And although Mitchell spoke very softly, Mary Catherine said that his voice was familiar, but she could not figure out where she'd heard it before. But she, yeah. like, she was, like, would have staked her life on the fact that she knew this voice from somewhere. And if I remember correctly, she was kind of discounted for a long time. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Mary Catherine's observation. Oh, sorry. One more. She never got a good look at his face. Um, This fact was kept secret by the police during the investigation. So, like, when they'd run through the facts from the case, they they would be like, and someone in the house saw his full face. Or, or like, they just ignored someone in the house saw him. And so they wouldn't Mm -hmm. give the detail that his full face had been seen or not not his face no so um her observations were of little use unfortunately and there was little usable evidence found at the scene there were no fingerprints there was no dna um so even though she had all this information it didn't actually wind up providing them much help doesn't she help them in the end though yes in September, okay, she, in September, she comes up with something that really helps. So I'm going yes, okay. really chronologically. Um, I've broken down okay. the timeline from the various sources. I was going to say, because I thought the ending part was like sh- her. Yeah. She's a superstar. Yes. Superstar? So when she thought Elizabeth and her abductor had gone, she attempted to go to her parents' bedroom, but she na- only narrowly avoided being seen by Mitchell and Elizabeth, who were outside of the door to her brother's bedroom. So she crept back into her bed and hid for an undetermined time, probably around two hours, which, you know, like you just told us about Elizabeth and how smart she is. And Mary Catherine has the same brain and it's very clear because she played possum when the people came in so that she could get as much Mm -hmm. information as she could, you know, like super smart. Which how terrifying, like how terrifying to wake up. There was like a person in your bedroom they're leading your sister out of the bedroom. And of you're course, nine. You're so every part of your body, every part of your body's like, I need my parents. I need my parents. I need my parents. But you have to wait, you know? Right. So just before 2 a.m., Mary Catherine tried again and found that they were gone. So she woke her parents and told them what had happened. 
Her parents woke up and told her that she was dreaming, that everything was okay, Elizabeth's in her bed. And so when Mary Catherine wouldn't be um, comforted, she led them to their room, and that's when they found that the screen to their window had been cut open with a knife. And so at 4.01 a.m., her parents called 911. Now, um, pretty immediately... The police issue a Rachel alert, which um, was Utah's statewide uh, messaging system. That's like mm-hmm. their answer to the Amber alert. Amber alert. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and I did a lot of research on that, but then after I had 12 pages on this, I was like, I'm not going to go into the Rachel alert too much. Um, <laughs> so the Rachel alert is activated that morning through radio and TV broadcasts. And the smart family asks that the search be extended beyond just Utah and, um, that people start searching in Southeast Idaho and Wyoming. Um, mm-hmm. meanwhile, people start filling. I the, get that. I'd be like, search everywhere. Every right? single place in the world. Oh yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, people start filling their house and filling filling the meeting house nearby so they can pray. And the the president of the Church of Latter-day Saints comes to tell them, like, to extend his sympathies. And it becomes like a, Mm -hmm. it becomes a big call kind of nationwide for the um, Church of Latter-day Saints to start looking. Um, So after her kidnapping... Smart was taken by her captors into the woods to an encampment outside Salt Lake City, where she was met by a woman. Um, as you mentioned, the man called himself Emmanuel, um, but his name was Fucker Fucker Mitchell. I don't, it's yeah. later in my notes. Um, he's got a whole bunch of first names, and her name was Wanda Barzi. So according to her, right. According to smarts testimony, Barzi quote, eventually just proceeded to wash my feet and told me to change out of my pajamas into a robe type of garment. When I refused, she said, if I didn't, she would have Brian Mitchell come rip my pajamas off. I put the robe on. He came and performed a ceremony, which was to marry me to him. After that, he proceeded to rape me. Mitchell claimed to be an angel and he also told Smart that he was a Davidic king who would, quote, emerge in seven years, be stoned by a mob, lie dead in the streets for three days, and then rise up and kill the Antichrist. Can you see my face? Unfortunately, we both have the same face. What the fuck is... No. Nope. Listen, nope. That's, that's the sequel to the Bible that, that wasn't really well reviewed, so we haven't read it yet. um so um smart he insisted was the first of many virgin brides he planned to kidnap each of whom would accompany him as he battled the antichrist and i don't mean to laugh but my brain like immediately pictured this sailor moon-esque battle with (laughs) all of his wives around (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So to keep smart from escaping, she was shackled to a tree with a metal cable, which allowed her mobility outside of the tent, but not much. Um, During her captivity, she was forced to take a new name. So she chose the name Esther after Esther of the old Testament. Um, (laughs) Brian David Mitchell called her 
Shirjashub, which just mm-hmm. sounds like the noise you make whenever you sneeze and cough <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> it was later revealed during court testimony that Mitchell repeatedly raped her, sometimes multiple times a day, forced her to look at porn magazines, and regularly threatened to kill her. He often forced her to drink alcohol and take drugs to lower her resistance, and both starved her and fed her garbage. Her abuse was facilitated with the assistance of Barzi, who Smart would later refer to as, quote, the most evil woman she had ever met. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk a little bit more about them a little bit later, but moving on in the timeline, June 6th, so the day after she is kidnapped, um, the Smarts offer a $250,000 reward for her return, and the Salt Lake City Police offer $10,000 more. An army of 700 volunteers joins the search. 25 police and FBI detectives are also on the case. Which mm. sounds like too few, but also I yeah. I just overreacted everything. So, um, Members of the family and police officials appeared on TV programs like Larry King Live, The Today Show, and Good Morning America. Flyers about Elizabeth Smart are distributed through Utah and neighboring states. The Salt Lake shitty, mm-mm, the Salt Lake County <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip. The world may never Ooh. know. <laughs> Salt Lake County Sheriff makes ten thousand child ID kits available, and um, the secu- like the local security firms like ADT and all that have never seen such booming business. I bet, right? Um. Elizabeth's father, Edward Smart, collapses and has to go to the hospital because of exhaustion. Um, And then um, sightings are reported of a suspicious vehicle in St. George of a man and a young girl fitting Elizabeth's description, but none of these tips pan out to be anything. That's so scary. Like, going back to her father, like, I wouldn't be able to rest. Right. I would go until I collapsed too. Right. I, mm, that's horrible. So the next day, Friday, June 7th, Elizabeth's brother is, uh, accepts her certificate at Bryan Middle School, like at their eighth grade graduation. Um, and oh. there's a moment of silence for his sister. And the, the kids at the school decorate the chain link fence outside with uh, powder blue ribbons in the shape of hearts. And then write her name, like, in cups. You know, how they do, like, at football games yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a milkman, which Salt Lake City had a milkman in 2008. I mean, 2002. I'm really impressed. Yeah. Um, you know, there was talk a couple years ago about them bringing back the milkman. I wish they would. I wish they would, too, because it's more sustainable. Yep. So a milkman reports seeing a suspicious car roaming the smart neighborhood two days before the kidnapping. And notes a Utah license plate number. The driver is later identified as Brett Michael Edmonds, who is a transient and is 26 years old. Searchers report a suspicious man in um, Immigration Canyon wearing clothes resembling the intruder's light-colored pants that um, Mary Catherine reported. The man disappears into deep brush and the searchers hear several gunshots. So that's not fun. And then 
Investigators say that tips were coming in at a rate of one per minute. Holy crap. As two FBI profilers arrive from, from Virginia, police release a description of the shoes Elizabeth was wearing. Mm. Um, so the next day, Saturday, June 8th. So I've got like a day by day and then I go month by month after the first couple of weeks. Um, right. So Saturday, June 8th, Salt Lake City Police Chief says publicly that he's frustrated by the lack of public leads. 25 search pilots take to the air. Ed Smart finally comes home from the hospital and America's Most Wanted airs a story on Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. The next day, Ed Smart takes a polygraph test that police say is just routine and other family members are also tested, but the police later admit that the polygraph test resulted from tips claiming that Ed Smart had kidnapped and hit his own daughter. I can't. You know, we roll our eyes, but we've also covered cases where that's happened. I know. Or we've heard cases. I don't know that we've actually covered them yet, but we've heard cases of this happening. Like the woman who shot her own kids in the back seat. And then do you remember this woman? Yeah. For all the media attention? Like for her boyfriend. Cause uh her boyfriend didn't like kids. Uh So on uh, Wednesday, June 12th, which is three days after the, um, Lie detector test. Um, 34 California National Guardsmen comb Jordan River banks and underbrush, and police work through 6,000 tips. So they're at least, like, actually trying. Yeah. The, the next day, June 13th, police refuse to comment on the results of the family polygraph tests. Brett Michael Edmonds is identified as the man spotted by the milkman. Police deny Edmonds is a suspect, but seeks him for questioning. Um, the next day, a man matching Edmund's description is spotted in Hereford, Texas. Mm-hmm. Salt Lake police say that five days earlier, Edmonds, after a Salt Lake candlelight vigil, had sped away after an attempted capture. Um, and then at this point, the volunteer searchers, like the number drops from 1200 at its peak to 785. Okay. Reports say that Elizabeth's sister, Mary Catherine, did not get a good look at the abductor's face. So this is where media starts fucking things up. Because that's what they're good mm-hmm. at. Um, I'm going to skip ahead some days. I'm going to skip ahead to July. Um, so in July, a former handyman who worked for, or a a handyman who worked for the smarts, Richard Albert Ritchie becomes a a top suspect after he takes a Jeep from a repair shop on May 30th and then returns it after logging a thousand extra miles on it. Prosecutors later charge Ritchie with burglary and theft for items stolen earlier from the smart home and another, another federal Heights dwelling. Um, In Cheyenne, Wyoming, a woman claims that she saw a man who looked like Richie digging fence holes in a rural area two days after Elizabeth's disappearance, but that turn, that lead quickly turned soft. And then in, on July 24th, 2002, it was reported that somebody attempted to kidnap Smart's cousin, who was her best friend. Um, suspicions were placed on Mitchell, but there was no hard evidence to support that it was actually him. Hmm. Um, in August, 
Richie dies in a hospital after suffering a brain hemorrhage in prison where he's being held on the theft and burglary charges. Elizabeth's younger sister and her three and uh, Elizabeth's sister and three brothers head back to school after a summer like secluded. They didn't talk to anybody the whole summer. They did the thing I would do hide out, you know? Yeah. Um, and so police announced the investigation of the break in at Elizabeth's cousin's home, but they determined it was likely a prank. Ooh. And then, um, in July, I thought it was September in July, um, Ed smart reports to MSNBC that, um, Mary Elizabeth recognized the abductor's voice. Um, which I told you earlier that she'd said that. Um, Also, however, in July, um, Mitchell and Barzy get brave and they pull Elizabeth Smart out into public with her, with them. Um, And her presence is always either obscured or unnoticed because of different types of concealment. Um, Often her wearing a headscarf and a face veil. In August of 2002, around two months after her kidnapping, Mitchell devises a plan to leave Salt Lake City with Barzy and Smart to go to Boston or to New York City. To research potential places to relocate, Mitchell and Barzy visit the Salt Lake City Public Library with Smart. There, they were noticed by a library patron due to their unusual styles of dress, because each Mm -hmm. wore full-length robes with veils which concealed most of their faces. The patron was convinced to call the police after looking closely at Smart's eyes. A police detective arrives at the library and confronts Mitchell, Barzy, and Smart. However, he's deterred by Mitchell, who claims that Smart was his daughter, named Augustine Marshall, and they were unable to remove their veils or garb on religious grounds. When questioned by the detective, neither Barzy nor Smart spoke, and Mitchell stated that their religion prohibited women from speaking in public. Smart would later say that Barzy signaled her not to move and gripped her legs under the table. She later recalled mm-hmm. the incident saying, quote, I felt like hope was walking out the door. I was mad at myself that I didn't say anything mad at myself for not taking the chance. So close. I felt terrible that the detective hadn't pushed harder. He just walked away. Mm-hmm. She also visited a grocery, like grocery stores and a restaurant and went unnoticed and in the fall of 2002, she even attended a party with Mitchell and Barzy and was photographed wearing her veil and robe with Mitchell and another party guest. My God. So in September, the Smart Family press briefings become increasingly infrequent and police return to investigating the earlier clues because tips have slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Police admit to waiting nearly three hours to seal the smart home after her disappearance, allowing potential contamination of the crime scene in the critical hours after Elizabeth's abduction. So there's those police we know and love. There they are. Cue the circus music. In September 2002, Mitchell and Barzy left Salt Lake City with Smart, relocating to San Diego County, California, where they held her in an encampment in a dry creek bed in Lakeside. Mitchell and Barzy relocated with Smart several times to different encampments in San Diego County, often often moving in the middle of the night. Mm Mm-hmm. In October, Ed Smart continues lobbying for a national Amber Alert system days before Elizabeth's 15th birthday. 
President Bush announces a federal push for such a national rapid response alert system. Mm-hmm. Renowned forensic expert Henry Lee travels to the smart home to assess the crime scene. And then in October of 2002, smart sister Mary Catherine realizes that she where she knows the abductor's voice from. Yep. And she says that he was the he was it was the voice of an unemployed man the family knew as Emmanuel whom the family had hired for a day to work on the roof and rake leaves. And then naturally the police are skeptical because what little girl is reliable? Duh. Oh, I'm sorry. Like y'all are so much more reliable. Right. You can't even close down a crime scene. Right. Um, so they're skeptical because of the short time that Emmanuel had worked for the family, the long time that it had elapsed and the short time Mary Catherine had heard the abductor's voice. However, the family had a sketch artist draw Emmanuel's face from their descriptions. And in February, this drawing was released to the media. It was shown on Larry King live and America's most wanted. And the drawing, there was a report that the drawing was recognized by Mitchell's relatives who gave police like current photographs of him, but I couldn't actually find verification of that. That was one of the things in the Wikipedia article that I couldn't find a source to back up. In November, the family members mark her 15th birthday on November 3rd. They've not given up hope yet. And a South Carolina man who claims to be her kidnapper tries to extort millions of dollars from the Smart family. Um, And he's charged in the U.S. District Court for Utah with interstate extortion and threatening communications. So what a a real asshole. Um, Yeah. In January of 2003, Mary Catherine and her four brothers are interviewed on 48 hours, uh, by, from CBS and, um, police announce a $20,000 increase in the reward for information leading to the recovery of her body. Hmm. No, no. Yep. So in February of 2003, um, her parents offer a new $10,000 reward for information that would exonerate Richard Ritchie, the handyman who had died of the brain hemorrhage. Yeah. Um, because like at this point they, if he did do it, they want to know. And if he didn't do it, they need somebody to come up so that they can take him out as a suspect. uh, Suspect. Thank you. Um, so then also in February, Ed Smart travels to Washington, D.C. and joins a parade of House members to call for the House to create a national Amber Alert system quickly. Mm-hmm. Photos of a handyman who'd worked at the Smart Home are released. His identity is sought as he is wanted for questioning. A composite sketch of a man Mary Catherine remembered working for the Smart Home airs on America's Most Wanted. Um, and he is finally identified as Brian David Mitchell. A drifter who is known on the streets as Emmanuel. On February 12, 2003, he was arrested in El Cajon for breaking into a church and spent several days in jail over the incident. So in March of 2003, America's Most Wanted again profiles uh, Brian David Mitchell and interviews several of his stepchildren. Okay. On March 12, 2003, he was spotted with a woman and a girl in Sandy, Utah, by a couple who had seen photos of Mitchell on the news. 
The mm-hmm. woman with him was Wanda Barzi, and the girl was Elizabeth Smart, disguised in an ugly gray wig, sunglasses, and a veil. Smart was recognized by the officers during questioning, and Mitchell and Barzi were arrested. One month after the recovery of Elizabeth Smart, the state of Utah sus- uh, superseded the then-existing Rachel Alert with the nationwide Amber Alert child abduction system, in part to conform with the recently implemented uh, nationwide procedures. And although the Rachel Alert was superseded, the system had seen success in the two years of its existence. Um, so mm-hmm. it was good for what it was, but it was only within one state. And Right. So... Um, then I have this quote from her dad that was in a letter that was sent to the um, House of Representatives. Hey. Today, Elizabeth was introduced to the Amber Alert system when she asked about a videotape in my office. After watching the coverage, Elizabeth asked why the legislation had not passed when it saved so many children's lives, and I could not give her an answer. So Aww. he's like putting it on thick. Um so, a little bit about the captors. I'm not going to give them much attention because they're fucking assholes. Yeah, they are. So, her main abductor was Brian David Mitchell. He was born on October 18th, 1953 in Salt Lake City. Um, he was one of six children in a Mormon family. His mother was a teacher and his father was a social worker. And mm-hmm. in order to teach Mitchell about sex, his father um, showed his young son, like... I'm talking like nine years old, explicit photos from a medical journal. And then to teach him about how to be independent, he would drive him to unfamiliar parts of Salt Lake City and drop him off so that he could find his way home. Because. No, No, I reject that. Like, not that it excuses him, but in most cases, these assholes are not born they're created yeah no i agree at the age of 16 mitchell um publicly exposed himself to a child and was sent to a juvenile hall and at 19 he married and had do that either right at eight at 19 he married and had two children um with a woman who was three years younger than him so she was 16 when they got married After their divorce, um, she was awarded custody of both children. And so Mitchell fled with the children to New Hampshire. So he just steals his kids from her. Where he joins, I know you were waiting for them to come into this story because any good story has them. A Hare Krishna commune. Oh, Jesus. Mitchell inspired, uh, no, Mitchell had a history of drug and alcohol abuse in his adult life. Um, When he returned to Salt Lake City, he was inspired to seek sobriety by his brother, who'd recently returned from a mission. Um, He had two additional children with his second wife, who herself had three children from a previous marriage. She alleged that Mitchell was abusive during their marriage and they divorced in 1984. After their separation, um, she, the second wife alleged that Mitchell had sexually abused their three-year-old son. The plain, mm. the claim could not be medically confirmed, but Mitchell's future visitations with his children were ordered to be supervised. One of, um, the daughters from a previous marriage would later claim that Mitchell, Mitchell had sexually abused her for years also. 
on the day, the day that his divorce from his second wife was finalized, he turned around and went into another room in the courthouse and married Wanda Elaine Barzi. She was a 40, uh, a 40 year old divorcee with six children. She had a troubled relationship with her children. One of her daughters would later refer to her as a monster and would also claim that when she was a child, Wanda fed her pet rabbit to her for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I love that she could only hear half of this podcast. (laughs) Together, Mitchell and Barzi were actively involved in the LDS church. Um, and eventually Mitchell began going by the name Emmanuel, claiming to be a prophet of God who experienced prophetic visions. For this, he was excommunicated from the church. And I don't know why they would kick him out. I mean, he seems so normal. Yeah, he does. I mean, <laughs> really, really normal. And Aggressively normal. Right, right. And so his wife, since he's now Emmanuel and she's jealous of his cool name, chose the name Hepzibah for herself. And, um, I thought you said she wanted a cool name. Well, I mean, maybe you didn't hear it. Let me say it again for you. Hepzibah, which sounds like a sexually transmitted disease. (laughs) I was going to say it sounds like an illness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the together they did what all good couples do like i mean this is what sarah and i do too and i guess now it's time to take it public um stand on the street corner trying to preach and telling everyone they're going to hell and asking for money i can totally see sarah doing that (laughs) right she's the worst Um, so then he presents himself in an image that was akin to that of jesus wearing only white robes and tunics and growing a beard (laughs) <laughs> nope um so that's not how that no so after not how jesus works man right after the arrest um they're evaluated for competency and basically the defense's psychi- psychologist is like right well the the um defense's psychologist basically makes the uh statement that there's no way that they can be competent if they are espousing that they are prophets of God and all this. And I'm like, "Mm, I think there are other things you could find that would show that they're insane. Like, I don't know, kidnapping a 15 year old girl and raping her repeatedly might be one of those things. I mean, you're calling into question almost all religions. If you're saying that (laughs) anyone that, that thinks their God is uh, crazy immediately. Uh-huh. Um, so they take Elizabeth Smart's um, a testimony into account during these, test- these uh, competency hearings. And she mm-hmm. describes him as smart, articulate, evil, wicked, manipulative, sneaky, slimy, selfish, greedy, not spiritual, not religious, and not close to God. Um, yes, girl. Right? Like, can you find a couple more adjectives? Because I don't think you have enough there. But so um, he was finally deemed. She Barzi was deemed competent much earlier. 
Um, Mitchell, they went back and forth, and finally he was deemed competent to stay in trial 10 years ago today, March 1st, 2010. Happy anniversary, <laughs> asshole. So um, Wanda Barzi eventually just pleads guilty, and so she sentenced to concurrent terms of 15 years in state and federal prison. However, due to the delays in mental evaluations, it took Mitchell's case almost eight years to go to court. Good grief. Um, His trial began November 8th, 2010. The defense acknowledged that he was responsible for the crimes, but contended that he was legally insane at the time, therefore should not be found guilty by reason of insanity. Um, The insanity defense was... Uh, rejected on December 11th, 2010, and the jury found him guilty of kidnapping and transporting a minor across state lines with intent to engage in sexual activity. U.S. District Attorney Judge, I mean, U.S. District Judge Dale Kimball sentenced Mitchell to life in prison without the possibility of parole. He is currently serving his sentence in the United States Penitentiary, uh, Terre Haute, um, in Indiana. Oh, excuse me. In 2016, Barzi's federal imprisonment was terminated and she was transferred to the Federal Medical Center in Fort Worth. And then um, to the... Wait, I don't want her in Texas. Well, they took her back to Utah after that. Get out. Um, <laughs> she went back to Utah to begin serving her state prison sentence. She was released in September 2018 and Smart was there to protest. As she should have been. Yep. So, um, in the aftermath of all this, because Elizabeth Smart is brilliant and amazing and a badass, um, she appears before Congress March 8th, 2006 to support sexual predator legislation and the Amber Alert system. Mm -hmm. On July 26th, 2006, um, she spoke after the signing of the Adam Walsh Act in... May of 2008, she travels to Washington, D.C., where she helped present a book, You're Not Alone, published by the U.S. Department of Justice, which has entries written by her as well as four other recovered young adults. In 2009, she commented on the kidnapping of J.C. Lee Duggard. Um, stressing that dwelling, Dugard. Dugard, thank you. Um, stressing that dwelling upon the past is unproductive. Like you can't look back at other cases. You just have to keep moving ahead. Assholes. Except she's yeah. much more eloquent than me. On October 27th, no, 2009. Asshole. Sounds good to me. Right. Um, October 27th, 2009. She spoke at the 2009 women's conference in California, hosted by Maria Shriver on overcoming obstacles in life. Um, In 2011, she founded the Elizabeth Smart Foundation, which aims to support the Internet Crimes Against Children Task task Force and to educate children about violent and sexual crime. The foundation is in the process of merging with Operation Underground Railroad to combine efforts to fight against human trafficking. Okay. Um, In July of 2011, it was announced that she would work as a commentator for ABC News, focusing on missing persons. Um, On May 1st, 2013, in a speech at a human trafficking conference at Johns Hopkins Hopkins University, uh, Smart discussed the need to emphasize individual self-worth in fighting human trafficking and the importance of dispelling cultural myths surrounding girls' loss of value upon sexual contact. 
having been mm-hmm. raped by her captor. And this is, I think, what she talked about in her TED, ta- TED Talk, or I've seen this speech. I don't remember now. Mm-hmm. Um, having been raped by her captor, she recalled the destructive impact of exposure to sexual education programs where a sexually active girl is compared to a chewed piece of gum. I thought, yeah. um, oh my gosh, I'm that chewed up piece of gum. Nobody rechews a piece of gum. You throw it away. And that's how easy it is to feel like you no longer have worth. You no longer have value, Smart said. Why would it even be worth screaming out? Why would it even make a difference if you were rescued? Your life still has no value. She went on to ask mm-hmm. that listeners educate children on having self-worth and teach them how to avoid becoming victims. Yes. So this is like a really important issue to me as well. Mm-hmm. on a different level is the um the harmful and i mean you've heard me talk about it before the harmful effects of purity culture uh-huh. on young women um it's extremely extremely harmful and it's definitely something that needs to be changed so Absolutely. i fully support that um in 2014, she appeared before the Utah State House of Representatives in favor of a House bill that would create an optional curriculum for use in Utah schools to provide training on child sexual abuse prevention. Um, she uh, was a correspondent on the true crime show Crime Watch Daily in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um a week after her 22nd birthday in 2009, she left Salt Lake City to serve as a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Paris. She temporarily returned from her mission in November 2010 to serve as the chief witness in the federal trial of Brian David Mitchell. Bless you. <laughs> Aaron says, bless you. <laughs> After the end of the trial, she returned to France to finish her mission and came home in 2011. While she was serving there, she met a native, a Scotland native, Matthew Gilmore. In January 2012, after a courtship of one year, they were engaged and they got married on February 18th, 2012 in a private ceremony uh, in the, in a temple in Hawaii. Um, Since then, she's had three children. Um, Most recently in 2019, um, she was traveling a, on a plane home to Utah. She woke up when the passenger next to her began groping her inner thigh between her legs. And, uh-huh. Like this, and then she broke his hand. Well, she, in fact, not only did she break his hand, she started an organization that teaches free self-defense classes to women. So that nobody ever has to deal with that. And I just like, she makes me cry because she is so incredible. Yeah. Um, And I think the most important part of her story is that she got a degree in heart performance from Brigham Young University. And so. (laughs) (laughs) So that is Elizabeth Smart. And I appreciate you giving me time to run through 12 pages of notes. I cut out as I went, but there was just nothing. I felt like I could leave out whenever I was writing because she was so, she is so incredible. It's so interesting because I pulled this up on my DVR to play it today and I recorded it. The, the night I recorded it, they, um, it was right after they found um, Jamie Sloss. And so the, they played her Elizabeth Smart's movie and then they brought together Elizabeth Smart, two of the survivors from the Cleveland abductions. Oh, wow. Um, 
and another woman that had survived an, abduct- an abduction and they did like a round table about like Jamie's class and like what she's going to face in her like future and everything. It was really interesting. That's so. awesome. Like she's just getting shit done. She is. And like, like nobody would have held it against her if she just became a hermit and spoke to nobody and held a chip on her shoulder for the rest of her life. Like, not a single person would have held that against her. Nope. But instead, she's allowed herself to be a champion for everybody's rights. And She's just like, nah, I'm gonna go do this. Right? I'm gonna be better than all you jokers. Like, Mm-hmm. Yep. Good for her. We need someone that's better than all of us. Absolutely. Um, because if you and I are the best that we get, then we're real, real out of luck. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. So, do you have a lifetime case of the week? <sighs> no. Although I was thinking, you know, that woman that killed our kids. What is her name? I feel like her name is Beverly. I don't know, but, but there is, I don't know if it's a Lifetime movie, but there is like a movie of the week about it. Oh, really? Where she sings like Hungry Like the Wolf in uh-huh. Port. Yeah. Uh-huh. Let me look up this woman's name because it's going to drive me crazy. Um. So my, while I'm looking up. um. Diane Downs. Diane Downs. There you go. Not Beverly at all. So... What a Um, piece of fucking work that bitch is. Right? So I learned about a case this week that I was ready to make my lifetime case of the week until I read more and more about it. And now it's my Patreon episode for next week. Hooray! Uh, So the other case that I learned about this week is not necessarily a case, but it'd make a fun lifetime movie. um, Because I know how much you like cults. Oh, I love cults. There is there are news reports of a doomsday cult in North Korea that is infecting its members with coronavirus and sending them out like biological warfare into other communities. Is that all of North Korea a cult? Yeah. Please don't kill me, Kim Jong Un, whatever your name is. But right? Aren't they all a cult? Like, yeah, well, this is a specialized brand of cult, and they're sending people out to, like, heavily populated areas to infect them. And, again, I don't know how much truth there is to this, but I have read several articles that talk about it. Um, and I just want a Lifetime movie about this cult. You know what else I want a Lifetime movie about? Us winning, I mean, us earning a million dollars this year that too okay but no so joe cool kill little he died yesterday but he founded trader joe's oh he needs a movie i've never been to a trader joe's don't give me that look do you like how i didn't even look up and i knew how you were looking at me (laughs) what how have you never been to trader joe's well we don't have one here right and i grew up in the sticks we're going to open a new Patreon level, which is just to send Paul to Trader Joe's. <laughs> Look, we got a Whole Foods here finally last year. I've not been really, but we got one. Sorry, I hit the button on my ear again. I wondered. I was like, did she just finally give up on oh, me? Like, oh, did, there you are. 
this is where it ends. There you are. Yeah. Um. Said we have a, and then it cut off. Uh, we have a Whole Foods now. It took us till last year to get that. And Trader Joe's is so much better than Whole Foods. Well, I know. I've heard that. It's not as expensive. Um, there was a rumor that we were getting a Trader Joe's just up the road from my house. Then it wound up being a furniture store, and I was real mad. <laughs> like, I don't need fucking furniture. Right? I need $2 bottles of wine. Well, and so I'm going to be honest. I used to watch y'all text about Two Buck Chuck. And mm-hmm. I thought that was clearance hamburger meat. It took me a while to figure out. I was like, why are they so excited over hamburger meat? Like, this is a very oh odd God. conversation. Oh, my God. I can't. You're so lucky you found me. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. Um. This week, we're we're about to pop over and record on our Patreon, and you're changing it up, and you're telling us about um, your your family. Yes, my family, the Windsors. Right. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait to hear all about that. Where can people hear that? Patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence. And how much does I'm it cost? I'm very excited to tell you all about it. Huh? How much does it cost to hear this? Five dollars, and which is deeply oh, discounted. Yes, that is all just because we love you. Um, if we didn't like you, it would be twelve fifty. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, while you're figuring out how to hang out with us at Patreon, I hope you'll also pop over to our Instagram um, at Lifetime Sentence. Yes, follow us on Twitter too at Life Sentence Pod. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. Mm-hmm. You can find show notes and other things that Paul's going to fix during his spring break at lifetime sentence.com. And um, shoot us an email at lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And please, please, please rate, review, subscribe. You guys are doing it lately. We're so excited. Um, we're getting some, some new things going on. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Well, until next time, and this is some important advice, so don't ignore it. Don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.